Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for bringing us together to open up your word together. Uh, we ask that your spirit would grant us understanding and wisdom. I pray that your uh, spirit would be at work in, in those who are spiritually dead and that it would bring about spiritual life and eternal life that's only found in your son, Jesus Christ. So as we learn about him, uh, with those those truths, with those convictions weigh heavy upon our hearts, uh, that we may look to him as our Savior and Lord. We pray these things in his name. Amen. So this message is titled, The Gift That Keeps on Giving. The Gift That Keeps on Giving. What is the greatest gift that you've ever received? What is the best gift that you've ever received? For some of us, it's a gift that has sentimental significance. For others, it's something that's practical that we can use every single day of our lives. For others, it's tied to the value of the gift, how much it costs. For others, it's, it's the person who gave that gift that matters most to us. And I want to tell you tonight that I also have a gift for you, all of you. If you check under your seats, there's a gift for you under your seat. No one's going to check. But anyways, if you're familiar with Oprah Winfrey, the show, she used to hide things or gifts or keys to a brand new car under her seat, and everyone would look under pull it out, and you'd leave there with a brand new car or whatever it was. Uh, but this is not the Oprah show. I'm not here to give out those kinds of gifts. This is Christ's church. This is Christ's church, and Christ's message is not about physical temporary riches, but rather about spiritual eternal riches. Mark chapter 8, verse 36 says, For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul. Your soul matters. It matters to God, and it matters for an eternity. So you're not going to drive out of here in a new car, but you might drive out of here a new creation with a heart that loves God, with affections for the things of God, and a willing and able desire to live for God. And that is my prayer for you if you don't know Christ. You might leave here tonight with joy everlasting, because there's one gift that stands out among all other gifts in this world, because this gift has eternal value. It has life-granting, life-giving, life-sustaining, life-transforming power, and it comes from God, the giver of all good gifts. And the good news is that you don't need to buy it. The good news is you don't need to do anything to earn it. And this is a gift that keeps on giving. But you won't want to receive this gift until you know and understand why you desperately need this gift. Just like you don't need to go to the doctor unless something is wrong. Just like you don't need to be rescued unless you are in danger. So have you ever done anything wrong? Have you ever done anything wrong? God caused that sin. You have broken God's law. And why do we sin? Because we are by nature and by choice and by divine declaration sinners. We are not sinners because we sin. We sin because we are sinners. And who do we sin against? God, who is our holy and sovereign creator, who we are accountable to and will one day stand before to be judged. 
How many sins does it take for us to be declared guilty before God? God requires perfect obedience to his law, so only one. How much good do we have to do in order to be right with God? None. Because nothing we do can make us right before God. So what can sinners do then? Nothing but continue to sin. What does our sin against God deserve? Sin demands a penalty for breaking God's law. What is the penalty for breaking God's law? God's eternal righteous wrath and condemnation. Everlasting, unending, physical, conscious torment in hell. So who can forgive our sins? Only God, because he's the one we are ultimately sinning against. It is his perfect glory that we fall short of. How can our sins be forgiven? And that's what we want to know. How can our sins be forgiven? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Colossians 1 verse 14 says, In him, in Christ, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7 says, In him, in Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. Who is Jesus Christ? He is truly God and truly man, being conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of a virgin. Galatians 4 verse 4 says, But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his Son, born of a virgin, born under the law. And he had to be born under the law and live in perfect obedience to the law in order to save those who have broken God's law. Galatians 3 verse 13 says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. Philippians 2 verses 6 through 8 says, Although he, Christ, existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, his name is Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. How can we be made right with God? Jesus Christ. He who knew no sin was made to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. He stood in our place and became our substitute and laid down his life by taking our sins upon himself and crediting us with his perfect righteousness. We have to be justified. We have to be declared righteous through the redemption which is only found in Jesus Christ. Romans 3 verse 26 says, God is just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. We are justified by faith in Christ alone. So how can we be rescued from God's condemnation? Again, Jesus Christ. He fully atoned for and satisfied God's wrath through his death on the cross. He paid for all our sins, past, present, and future, completely, once and for all. Every sin is punished and paid for. And he rose from the grave on the third day, victorious over sin and death, for those who repent and believe in him. Jesus Christ was born to save his people from their sins, and he has accomplished that. It is finished. That is who Jesus is, 
And that is what Jesus has done. The bad news then is that since we have sinned against God, we deserve his eternal wrath and cannot do anything about it. We can't escape it. And even more, we are spiritually dead. So we are unable to do anything about it. Ephesians 2 verse 1, we are dead in our trespasses and sins. John chapter 6 verse 44, no one can come to Jesus unless the Father who sent me draws him. No one can. That's a question of ability. You can't. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, The natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. So this is not going to the doctor because something is wrong. This is, we are at the doctor's because we are dead. This is not needing a life preserver because we are drowning. This is us in the ocean already dead. We cannot do anything. We have no power within ourselves because we are spiritually dead. God, God must do something. God must give us a new heart. God must come down to rescue us and give us new life. And he has done that by bringing his son into this world to do exactly that. We need to be born again. We need to be made alive spiritually to God. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to quickly look at John chapter 3. John chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. It says there, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher. For no one can do these things, these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from and where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. That speaks about being born again by the Holy Spirit. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 speaks about Jesus being born. It says there, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she is found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. Matthew chapter 1 verse 25, a little later on, she gave birth to a son and he called his name Jesus. Jesus Christ came into the world through a supernatural birth. And we need to come into the kingdom of God through a supernatural birth. What was conceived in Mary was of the Holy Spirit. And what needs to happen in your soul is conception, to be born again of the Spirit of God, to be born again from above. It's not enough to just come to church. It's not enough that your parents are believers and are teaching you the things of God. It's not enough to be religious and just do things. You need to be supernaturally 
born again, and the only way to find acceptance with God, to be right with God, to be saved by God, is if you are born again by the power of the Holy Spirit of God. You cannot do this on your own. Hence, you need this gift. You need Jesus Christ. What did you do to bring yourself into the world the first time when you were born physically? Nothing. You played no part in that. What will you do to bring yourself into the kingdom of God to be born again? The answer, again, is nothing. The only way is if God, by the Holy Spirit, conceives within you repentance, saving faith, eternal life. The only way is if God makes you a new creation. He regenerates you to repent and believe in the gospel. And even that is a gift of God. Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. It's a gift of God apart from which you will not enter into the kingdom of God. The gift of believing is tied to the gift of the person and work of Jesus Christ, who is the greatest gift and is the one with God the Father who is the gift giver and with the Holy Spirit who gives the gift of being born again. It's a packaged gift. God the Father chose. God the Son laid down his life for those that the Father chose. God the Holy Spirit gave new life to those the Father chose and his Son laid down his life for. In other words, God does it all. You play no part in your salvation. So this gift has come to call sinners. Jesus Christ has call, has come to call sinners. Mark chapter 2 verse 17, Jesus says, I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Salvation is not a reward for the righteous. It is a gift for the guilty. Those who know that they are unworthy and unrighteous. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. This gift is free and freely gives salvation and eternal life. Romans 6, 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Isaiah 55, verse 1, calls all to receive this free gift without money and without cost. This gift is found in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Romans 3.24, being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. Romans 5 verse 17, for if by the transgression of the one, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. This gift comes from God and is worthy of our worship. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 15 says, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Jesus was born so that we might be born again. And that's what we need. He was born so that we might be born again. He's our only hope because he's the only savior of sinners. This is why we celebrate Christmas. Josh Bice, a pastor who started G3 Ministries, if you're not familiar with G3 Ministries, 
It's a great resource. He says, until we acknowledge our need to be rescued, Christmas is nothing more than a vain and selfish day where depraved sinners exchange empty materialism. And I'm here tonight to call you, to urge you to repent and believe in the gospel if you do not know Jesus Christ. I'm trying to bring God's truth to bear on your soul so that you would see your need of this gift and not perish, but have eternal life. Do you know the bad news, the reality of your condition before God? If you do, then turn away from your sins and self-righteousness and turn to Jesus and his perfect righteousness in faith, which is the only way to be justified before God. The good news is Jesus Christ. The gift is Jesus Christ and what he has done. If you believe from your heart that God is holy, that you are a sinner who has sinned against a holy God, that Jesus Christ is the Savior of sinners, that his work and his life reconcile you to God, if you trust in him, if you repent and follow him, then God is at work in you. Jesus Christ has saved you. He has given you himself. You have been given new life. But wait, you said I don't have to do anything. I thought you said there's nothing that I could do. But you just said that I need to repent and believe and follow. Yes, that is exactly right. Because if you find yourself repenting, if you find yourself believing, if you find yourself desiring to follow after Christ, these are not prerequisites to salvation. They are evidences of salvation, that you are born again from above by the Spirit of God. Charles Spurgeon has said, I frequently hear persons exhorted to give their hearts to Christ, but that is not the gospel. Salvation comes from something that Christ gives you, not something that you give to Christ. The giving of your heart to Christ follows after the receiving from Christ of eternal life by faith. And if you find yourself responding to the gospel with indifference, then you can be sure that God is not at work in your soul. You must be born again. You must be born from above. You must be born of the Spirit of God. And as miraculous as the virgin birth of Jesus Christ is, the supernatural conversion and regeneration of one's soul is just as miraculous. And a skeptic who denies the virgin birth once asked a Christian, if I told you that that child over there was born without a human father, would you believe me? The believer says, yep, if he lived like Jesus lived. The greatest evidence of the supernatural birth and deity of Christ is his supernatural life lived. And Christian, in a similar way, the greatest outward evidence of the person and work of Jesus Christ will be your supernatural life, the life that you live in and by the Spirit. So let me ask, are you just another employee? Are you just another student? Are you just another wife or mom? Are you just another husband 
or dad? Do you look and live like everyone else in the world? The sad reality is that the only Bible, so to speak, that some people will ever read will be your lives. Would to God that our lives shine the truth of Christ, our Lord and Savior, and our mouths proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. We go forth and proclaim the message of the gospel, not because we believe that sinners will within themselves have the power to receive Christ, but because we know that the gospel, the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. They need to hear to believe. They need to hear to be born again to repent. The power of the gospel is not found in the messenger, but only in the message. So be faithful to proclaim the message. Preach the good news of Jesus Christ. Our responsibility is simply to be faithful to proclaim the gospel. It's God's responsibility alone to make it effective. So this gift is a gift that keeps on giving. Why? Because it is to be passed down from generation to generation and from believers to the entire world. Because every time you sin, you are reminded of the treasure that this gift is. That every sin has been paid for by Jesus and his grace produces obedience and thanksgiving and worship because it serves and edifies the body of Christ, the church, because it saves and sanctifies us, because it gives us full access to God in prayer, because it eternally secures us in him, because of all the spiritual riches and blessings and inheritance that are ours in Christ. But more than all the gifts, more than all the gifts, we are forever reconciled to God the Father and united to God the Son and are indwelt by God the Holy Spirit. We have God with us. We have an eternal relationship with God our Father and us being his sons and daughters. This is the greatest gift in all the world. Yet most people don't want to receive it. It's because they don't understand the depravity of their sin and what it deserves. And until you do, until you do, you will not look for a Savior. You will not look to Jesus Christ to save you from your sins. But know that Christ was born into this world so that you might be born again. He lived the perfect life, obeying the law perfectly in your place, and he laid down his life and died in your place. He was raised from the grave, showing that he is the Messiah, the Son of God, that your sins are completely forgiven and paid for. The punishment was taken. And God caused you to repent and believe in that message, in that person of Jesus Christ and his work on the cross. Receive it by faith, and in faith, go proclaim it. Christ has come 
and he has accomplished salvation for those who repent and believe, and we need to tell the world. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the gift of salvation through your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that regenerates our hearts to make us born again, new creations, able to see the light, the truth of the gospel and repent and believe in it. Father, I pray for all those here who are listening, who are present, that if they don't know Christ, Father, I pray for their salvation. I pray that they would see their need for a Savior, that they would know that their sins are great, but your mercy and grace is greater. That they would repent and believe and receive eternal life and have you as their Heavenly Father and be one of your children. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.